Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. And we are live. Hey guys, this is Ruben Dua from Dub's podcast, Connection Loop. And today I have with me Brian Jones. Now, Brian is an absolute expert when it comes to building a virtual workforce. This is a topic that I am so passionate about because I have believed in this idea of a, of a global village for, for so many years, as long as I can remember. And I've quite frankly felt very comfortable working in a very virtual environment. Um, there's some fantastic companies that have adopted this philosophy and they have for, for years. You know, Zap, Zapier, is is one of them actually the company as a whole gets together as i understand it one time a year for a corporate retreat and everyone meets in a, in a great location and has that physical connection otherwise it's all virtual and obviously now in our climate uh, this new format is is here to stay in fact the, the problem is that a lot of people don't necessarily understand how to manifest this how to activate this the associated processes you know compensation leadership the list goes on. So that's why we have the expert here. Brian, if you could just please give us a very brief intro on yourself, and then I'm going to get into a power round of questions here. Sure. Thanks, Ruben. Uh, best intro is that I was one of these entrepreneurs that was working 60, 70 hours a week, had a young child that had just been born, and I really wasn't spending any time with my wife, my child. And I thought there had to be a better way so I read a couple of books like the E-Myth and the 4-Hour Workweek, discovered the power of virtual teams, and within 12 months, I was literally down to working only a few hours each week in a business that was far more profitable, sustainable, and I was loving my life compared to pre-working with virtual teams. So now I literally help other entrepreneurs follow in those footsteps and achieve the same success I had back then. Amazing. That is that is an inspiring story. Um, what a what a great way to figure out a problem, which is a real problem, which is spending time with family members, and then coming up with a solution, and then providing that solution to the marketplace. Um, yeah. How meta is that? That's so that's so neat. So, the first question that I'm going to ask you is, what are some of the tasks that a virtual staff might be able to do or not be able to do? What what's what are the possibilities here? Literally anything that. A team member currently does in the country or office that you know the team normally works in they can do as a virtual team member in the philippines which is where our base is there has still not been a single role that we couldn't fill for a client mm. you can see you're bringing up the full list there of all the tasks so unbelievable here 173 tasks so this is basically everything that's going on in a business there's social media there's email there's administrative tasks um, there's blogging there's customer service there's sales there's photo and video editing graphic and web design uh unbelievable list here how powerful is that um you know i think that when we start to think about the fact that now in our global format now being connected in virtual mediums zoom calls or slack or microsoft teams which what have you the possibilities are, are endless, really, um, to, to connect, you know, talented people. Um, you know, my next question for you is what what would you say? How how would you summarize the process in managing a virtual 
team. The, the challenge, I think, or maybe the limiting belief that some people might have is that, quote unquote, I need to physically be next to some person to, to be able to effectively manage them. I need to be able to see what they're doing. I need to be able to communicate with them, talk to them. You know, uh, uh, what are some things that we need to overcome and what are some kind of best practices on, on how to, in fact, manage a virtual team? Yeah, you're right. It's a process. There's no doubt. Uh, I really believe that it, it starts before you even hire that first person. You really have to think about the type of person you want to work with, the person you would enjoy working with, so that when you're going through the interview phase to select the person, you've chosen the person you'd be willing to have over to your house for a family dinner with your family, someone that's interesting, engaging, and you know then that you've got that right intuitive person on the team. Once they're on the team, the process is, you know, you and I both love Ruben video. So um, having that person, we, we, we tell all clients for the first three months, there is no phone calls, there is no Slack typing unless it's just for a quick hello. Every bit of training and communication must be done by video so you get to know one another. You can share a joke, you can just see how each other communicate and fall in love with the team member you work with. If it's not for video, it honestly doesn't work in a virtual world. Um, especially in the first three months. Then after three months, if you really want to gain traction, efficiencies, if a business wants to scale, you have to dial back the video a little bit. Don't get rid of it, but dial it back so that you start using more audio or shorthand text messages to you know, communicate about how a task is going or a project is going, but never lose video. That's the key. Mm. Well, I mean, you're speaking our language there because we're such huge proponents of replacing live video conversations or calls with yeah. pre-recorded asynchronous videos. My yeah. my favorite thing to say is sometimes you can share a 30-second video and save yourself from a 30-minute <laughs> conference call. So I'm a huge fa a fan of that. Um, I think people should try it. I do it literally dozens of times a day, and, and I save myself an amazing amount of time. So... You know, yeah. great, great point there. Um, there is a famous quote from a man, a gentleman by the name of Benjamin Franklin. If you fail to plan, you are planning to fail, right? And yeah. how is that relevant in this context? Well, what you mentioned is the, the need for process, right? And what I love about what you said is that so much, if not all of the things that we do as a company can be systematized. They can be converted into a process. Now, of course, there's room for adaption, adoption. There's room for um, pivoting, changing, you know, learning, taking data, making tweaks. There's always room for that. But for the most part, if you're not planning to create processes for everything, then what you're effectively doing is requiring constant live communication back and forth, which mm -hmm. could be, in fact, very inefficient. What is your take on that? Well, um, if you want, Ruben, um, we can give all of your viewers and listeners access to our teachable course um, with free access. And I can promise you, you have to give the email address, but we will not email anyone that puts their email address in. Um, it will take them through the entire process that we recommend. There's about 35 steps or tutorials that we believe any new business should take in going through this um, onboarding of a virtual team member and literally building how-to guides, systems for every single task that happens in the business. 
and then training a backup person on how to do those tasks so that the business can run autonomously. It never goes back to a manager or the boss to have to do tasks when someone's away for two weeks or three weeks that was unannounced. It was, you know, no one was expecting them to be away. So by going through a proper onboarding process using video like we're talking about, building the systems and processes and building a real team-based approach where when someone's away, someone else steps in, you know, going through that teachable course will teach everyone how to do it with a virtual team. doesn't matter whether they're in the same country, another country. Um, you know, you could have a lot of workforces, especially some of our clients, they've got workforce in 10 different countries. Um, the principles and the systems still apply. That's amazing. You know, what a, what a valuable asset here. Um, I think that, that everyone should check this out. So, you know, what, what I'll be doing is I'll, I'll be putting a link to this um, in, in the show notes here so that uh, folks can, can grab that. Um, next question that I have for you is <clears throat> how can we be, you know, there's just a lot of language about virtual assistance, um, managing a global workforce. You know, how do we kind of move away from a lot of that philosophy, a lot of that mindset, and really come from a place of empowerment as a leader to really make someone feel like they're making a difference, that they're part of a team, that they're not some cog in a larger system where eventually they're going to feel unmotivated, unhappy, and and leave. True. You know, how do we how do we come from a place of true empowerment and, and happiness? Oh, I love that word, happiness, Ruben. Uh... Um, I mean, I think I want to answer this in two different ways. Um, I really believe that the power of engaging with virtual teams is about the happiness that you can get from doing so. Um, we were talking about systems and processes before so that team members feel empowered to do the work to the quality of what's expected of them. So a team member can feel happy and empowered in their role if their manager and they have agreed on the exact process of how to do the task. So using video again, always recording a video. The manager shares their screen, records a video of exactly how they want their team member to do a task, and then they get their team member to document that in a step-by-step how-to guide, and you insert then the video for the full experience. It means that you know a team member can literally just go ahead and perform that role over and over and over again to a high quality and know that they're an important part of an overall business. The next step we would suggest is every business should have a wonderful, you know, let's talk about like an Excel spreadsheet that lists every single task that is done in a business under each division, sales, marketing, customer service, finance. Have a person allocated to each of those tasks have a person as a backup to each of those tasks and have the documented system over in the next column. That way everybody knows that there is a huge machine at play, but they perform a really important component of that. And if they don't do their job well and to the level that's expected, everything else falls down in the whole machine. So literally having you know, that amazing tool of every task who does it? Who's the backup? How do they do it? You know, that is one of the real secret ingredients to running a successful virtual team. Mm. 
Now, a lot of a lot of folks struggle with this idea because they don't live in a world of process. They world they live in a world of reaction, where something happens in the universe and then they react to it. And in fact, it's very challenging to develop a process processes to to execute upon that um, and to be hands off. Uh, in fact, my I have a I created I actually know that there's a direct correlation between being reactive and being a micromanager. Because if you're constantly trying to react to a situation that you're constantly probably telling someone on your team, do this or change that or do this, where you're not necessarily respecting a process that's already implemented. Uh, so multi-part question here, how can we be more proactive and less micromanagerial? Oh man, I love this question. You are pulling up my heartstrings, Ruben. Uh, so we believe if you put all of the power, yep, you're pulling it. If you put all the power into the actual team member, so you're no longer managing someone, but you're giving them the authority to act within their role and improve themselves, then the team member will grow and grow and grow and stay with the business for the long term. And that's what every employer wants. They don't want to have high turnover. They want staff that stay within a business and are self-learning, self-growing, and want to grow. So we've got a tool that's called, you know, it's basic, what success looks like. It's, again, an Excel spreadsheet. And my guidance to every boss, every manager is, this is not your tool. This is your team member's tool. It lists all of the tasks that they currently do for you in the business, for themselves in the business. And they can rank themselves at the end of every month as to how well they feel they're performing at their role. They can write lots of notes about you know, actual activities. Hey, for Bill Bobs, I provided amazing customer service because I went above and beyond and did this and this. On the next day, the manager can come in and just have a meeting with their team member and literally review how the team member felt they performed in that month for every single task. The team member can then literally say, look, I don't think I performed well here. I really need some more support. Or I performed these, this bulk of tasks amazingly. Boss, can I have some more tasks? I think I'm ready to grow into another role. So putting the power to the, you know, the virtual team member, you know, the expert, is how to do it. And like that's probably the second biggest key ingredient to a successful virtual team, allowing that team member time to reflect upon their performance for that month and then present that to their boss and say, how do you think I went? This is how I think I felt. What do you think? So there you go. That's what I'd say, Ruben. Very good. Uh, next question is, how do we set up a system for longevity with a virtual team? And what I mean by that is how do we create, if, if a company in the United States uh, wants to set up a, a system for longevity from a payroll perspective, there's a couple of requirements. Number one is you have to have a good payroll system set up. You can't be using PayPal to pay people every two weeks. It's very unprofessional. You need to have you know W-2 documents. You need to have benefits. You need to have paid time off, sick leave, paid vacation, um, processes, you know HR documents. Um, it's very murky when it comes to creating systems like that, compensating people, creating structure when it comes to an international global team. I don't know of, of companies that might 
be a soup to nuts A to Z solution for something like this. Um, I don't know if that exists, maybe it does. Uh, I'd love to get your take on that, how we can set up the infrastructure for success. Can I just, there's two part answer. The first is Ruben, treat everyone the same. You know, there's some amazing organizations that have virtual team members all around the world and they don't treat them any differently. So, you know, if you're a, if you're a scaling business in California and you offer, you know, 10 days annual leave, five days sick leave, then offer that to your team in the Philippines, in India, in Africa, you know, treat everyone exactly the same so long as you've looked into whether that's culturally acceptable in the country that the team members working, so long as it's more favorable to those team members. If you offer private health insurance in America, then you should offer private health insurance in the Philippines to your team. If your team in California have gym membership subsidized at 50%, do the same for all of your virtual team members. Everybody's got to be treated as an equal so that they really know that they are valued in the organization and that they're not being hired at a lower cost and being you know, treated in a disadvantaged way. Um, so that'd be the first thing. Um, the second thing I'd say is, going back to that answer I gave a little while ago about literally making it totally visible about everyone's role in the organization, who's the backup person, and telling your team, you can apply for any other role when you're successful and an expert at your current role. And opening up the door to say to someone who's in you know, a technical role, you can go to sales if you're performing your technical role well, and we all agree that you know, a sales role would suit you. So not limiting someone and pigeonholing them to a particular role just because they're doing it well. So if you do it well, you can move on to another role and they can see all of the roles that are being done in the organization. So hmm. that's how I do it. And then what would you recommend for um, software or for systems to, to get payroll, uh, PTO, yeah. sick days, you know, benefits, all of that? How can we manage that? It's a good question. Um, my suggestion for a multinational organization is you would have to create a subsidiary entity in the country where your staff are living. Um, that's the only way that you can give those team members the full benefits of the um, business wherever they are domiciled. So again, if you're using California as the example, and if we use Philippines as the other example where the virtual team members might be, registering a business in the Philippines or working with a partner that is registered as an entity means that those employees, say in the Philippines, get all of the full benefits that the US staff also get. So they'd get their super, their pension, their private health insurance, their bonuses, their, their um, protection under the legislation as being an employee. Um, mm. it's, a, it's a big mistake I see in virtual teams is where a business might make people contractors in virtual teams. And that person knows that they're at risk of losing their job any moment. And it makes them hard for that longevity. So if you at least partner or, or establish a registered entity in the country where your virtual team members are, it means that you have to set up proper payroll systems, HR systems. You have to get approval from the local government to have an office or at least have a distributed workforce. Um, so that'd be my answer, like go with a registered business. And is that something that you assist with or do you, do you have a, a contact or a vendor that assists with that? 
yeah, we do that. So we're a registered business in the Philippines and we help either um, clients use us as a registered business or we help them register a business in the Philippines so that they have a direct subsidiary under their current parent company. Got it. Hmm. Now, in the spirit of continuing the conversation on empowerment, hmm. um, you know, how can we activate programs that really incentivize folks globally in our global workforce here to um, to to uh, to feel like they, they they own part of it? You know, bonus programs um, and special incentives, commission structures. How would you guide us on that? Such a big question. Like. How does a business owner in California feel about giving a virtual team member in the Philippines ownership in their business? They probably, they're not sure, right? Because they're a bit scared. How long would this team member be around for? Um, do they really want to work in the business for a long period of time? Have I actually met them? In the COVID world, when we're doing this you know, podcast right now, you can't even get there to meet them and meet their family and go out for lunch or dinner. So I'd suggest that you wouldn't be offering ownership as an incentive right now until you can really travel and meet your team. As you mentioned before, you know, there was a company that has a yearly summit where they get all their team together. Yeah, Zapier. Definitely, yeah, Zapier. But definitely in if you feel that the role requires a sales incentive, if they're part of a sales team, putting that in place, but so long as you're still using that what success look like tool so that the team member feels that they can give their feedback first about their own performance, Rather than a manager coming in saying, you performed well, here's an incentive. It's more about how the team member feels first and then allowing that to drive any incentive discussions and performance-related discussions. Um, the other side I'd say is work out what that team member likes in their particular culture. So in the Philippines, they love to take time off for their birthdays, which not every other country does. Most people work on their birthdays. In the Philippines, they want to take a day off on their birthday. They mm. want to take a day off um, to go and visit the graves of their grandparents. It's really important to them to do that. So knowing the idiosyncrasies of the culture and giving them that performance incentive of days off or bonuses to do with their performance and their their wishes. That's how I'd recommend it. What, what amazing advice. I mean, how important is it to think about the the desires the cultural nuances of the people on our team and to empower them and to give them that that reward that benefit of doing the things that you mentioned enjoying their birthday visiting the grave sites of of just the the deceased i mean that is just empathy on a massive level I, I really appreciate that feedback it's so important to to not only learn what those are but to really exercise the muscle about thinking about those things because that can be applied to to so many things yeah great yeah. And uh, next question is, what are this one you might have some fun with um, what that <laughs> um, no one's expense, but what are some of the big biggest mistakes that you might see that businesses make when it comes to, um, you know, having a global workforce? OK, treating let's start, the biggest one I see is treating people as task doers. So, you know, throwing people tasks and saying, go do Go do the task to the quality that I expect. Here's a system that I've already documented. Read the system and do the task. And that's just like saying to someone who normally writes their signature in their right hand every day, and they know how to do it, to go and write their signature with their left hand. Mm. Like 
they know what their signature looks like. They know how their right hand normally does it. But can you exactly replicate doing your signature with your left hand? Mm. You can't. So it's a massive mistake to say to someone, here's a great documented system, follow it, and you'll be able to do that job exactly perfectly. It doesn't work. So the biggest mistake is not seeing a, a leader coach their team member. Coaching meaning you give them a system, allow them an opportunity to do the task, but allow a few foot faults. You know, allow them to have not done it perfectly and give them some coaching as to how they can form, form that task better. It normally takes a virtual team member around four weeks to actually perfect a task, and it could be the most simple task. You know, and I think all virtual team members need to feel that they've got that freedom to make those early mistakes and that leaders can be more warm in coaching. Um, I think the second biggest mistake I see new businesses work with is that they use their own language with the virtual team member. So there might be, you know, you might have a business that uses the odd swear word. Now that might work well in Australia or America, it depends on who you're working with, it depends on the industry. In the Philippines and India, for example, and Sri Lanka, if you use a swear word, no matter how well you know someone, they will remember that one time you used a swear word and they will feel like you've insulted them in some way. So knowing your audience, knowing the culture of how people work, you just have to use the right phrasing and wording. Um, the third thing I'd say is, going back to what we said, the biggest mistake that people make is they think they're hiring a person for a role and that that person will stay in that role forever because they think the person should feel like um, they were hired and they shouldn't try and expand their horizons to pursue a career. But every team member, no matter where they are in the world, they're looking for a career opportunity, they're looking for growth and to feel valued and that they can provide for their families. So having a career path for every new team member is probably my biggest tip and the biggest failure I see in business owners trying to hire a virtual workforce, not giving them a career. So that's it. They're my three biggest failures that I see. Extremely valuable. Extremely valuable, Brian. Thank you so much. Um, another question is, you know, I I used to travel a lot in my younger years, and I used to love people from all over the world. You know, I love to go to different types of restaurants and, and meet people that uh, come from different cultures and different backgrounds. Uh, I love to do work with people. I love to go to the airport and inter interact with people and just get a certain sense of diversity. It's fun for me. It's like meeting global citizens, right? Yeah. Some people don't, that some people who, who are that global citizen, who is that global citizen, they don't feel like their diversity, their exoticness, if I dare use that word, their differentness to, to a different group of people is, is an asset. They see it sometimes as a liability, right? My English is not good enough. I don't know the American culture. Um, I don't have confidence to be able to do a sales call or account management. Um, how do we get get folks, get some some folks on on our virtual team to overcome that and to know that you know things that are different are, are better, you know, sounding different, thinking differently, um, and to overcome some of those confidence hurdles. How, how do we how do we empower folks to do that from a leadership perspective? No worries. I'm going to try not to riff too long on this one, Ruben. Um, it really comes down to that early first week onboarding process, making sure that the first conversation you're having with your team member is about the values of the organization and hopefully they're documented. You know, 
having a documented values, mission, and vision statement is the best thing you can do because somebody can really, as a new employee, read it, absorb it, and adopt the fact that their business that they now work for has a diverse workforce, that everybody is valued, and they can buy into that long-term vision. On day two, you really want that first-line manager or the entrepreneur or the boss, like the, the CEO of the company, should be meeting with every single team member on their second day and just saying, you are valued. You're here for a reason, and you, know, and you put it back to, the, again, the vision and the mission. And the team member can go, wow, hold on, I am important if this person's taken 15 minutes out of their day to welcome me and help me understand that I am an important part of this business. And then throughout that week, really have meeting, the third day should be talking about the culture of where that person lives and the culture of where the manager might live. So that the new team member really understands that the boss has taken time to acknowledge the different cultures. Right? That they're not just having to absorb into, say, a US culture and that they have to completely get rid of their own culture. So that first week, those first three meetings, critical to getting someone to feel as though they are valued and heard and that they, don't, they won't lose their own identity. Mm. So, so true. You know, I always go back to, to one of my favorite quotes. You know, they don't care about how much you know unless they know how much you care and that's just a, a note about just general empathy, caring, you know, compassion, knowing that we're all human beings. We all deserve respect. We all deserve to to feel empowered, to to be respected, to be treated with um, you know a certain set of values that are, in fact, a lot of the times, most of the times, that they should be equal among our entire organization. So I think that's such such an important reminder. Mm -hmm. um, thanks so much for that. Um, and then I have a final question. Which is sometimes I think, and this applies to, to anyone and everyone really, where sometimes if we feel like we're a fish out of water, if we are working for a new company and we maybe haven't yet overcome some confidence hurdles, maybe we're living in some amount of fear, um, we are not able to exercise common sense, right? Mm -hmm. we're, we're stuck. We're stuck in what is the process? Is it documented there? If it's not, then should I do it? Should I not do it? If I don't know, should I try to make up a decision for myself? Should I ask mm. someone? You know, at what point do can I break out and use my common sense? Um, how can we empower people to feel uh, to move away from fear and go to a more kind of logical, stable place where, in fact, common sense starts to just trigger on a, on a different level? Yeah, good question. Love that last question. It's like when a primary school kid goes to school for the first time, they often get buddied up with an older kid or a kid in their class. So they've got someone to leverage off and talk with if they feel unsure about absolutely anything at all. The same thing should be done in a virtual environment with a new team member. They need to get buddied up with someone so that that person checks in with them and says, hey, how are you going today? How are you going today? How are you going today? There's this constant... Um, feedback loop where someone can say how you're going and that person can then just be quiet and listen to the new team, team member talk about all of the things that they're uncertain about. That helps them build up that common sense because they've got someone else that's already living the values, the mission and the vision of the company that can support them to use their common sense because there are too many unknowns when you first start in a business. And if you don't have someone to go and tap on the shoulder and say, can you just clarify this for me? 
you know, you, you, you do feel like you're in the wind, you're in the wild and that you start making really poor decisions for yourself. So that buddy imperative. So good. So good, Brian. So where can folks learn more about you, social channels, website? Well, the best is on LinkedIn. So you know, Brian Jones at VA Platinum on LinkedIn or vaplatinum.com is the best area to reach out. Amazing. And then what is the, what is the onboard pr uh, process for you when you bring on new clients? <sighs> it's always like this. Video! <laughs> Something you and I love. Um, look, I will never bring on a client until I can actually eyeball them, get to know them, they can get to know me. And, you know, do we share the same values in life and, in, you know, treating everybody equally? And if that works well, then I think everything else flows from there. So that's my own, literally my onboarding process, a face-to-face -face meeting like we're having now. Fair enough. Good stuff, mm. Brian. Well, thank you so much for the time. Likewise, Ruben. I love your interview questions. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, stick around for some notes. Thanks.